0: I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help.
1: And I know times are tough, but I want you to know that help is on the way. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe that man? He's had 40 plus years in the government and he's done nothing to help you. He's done nothing to help at all. A lot of history of failure, a lot of history of failed bills. Yeah, he's no good. So don't you believe it. Don't you believe anything that Joe Biden has to say. He's full of promises and he's just he's just talking to you with silk, through silver teeth. That's it. He's got nothing pleasant to offer you. I mean, if you want to drink the Kool-Aid, if you like Kool-Aid, you go on out on the head. You drink that stuff up. I respect that. You have a right to be wrong. Hey, this is uh, America after all. So drink your Kool-Aid if you want to, but I'm not going to believe anything that man says. Help is not on the way, not from him anyway. I'm sure that I'm positive that we are living in the end times, and if you've uh, listened to my podcast in the past, you know what I believe. I believe that uh, that they're going to come crying peace and safety in the night, and they're going to offer solutions and some very interesting things I've uh, come across. The Mark of the Beast, for example, 603 score and six, 666 666 Z Sigma Chi, Z I Sigma S I G M A Chi, C H I. And it literally means to implant, to insert. So, how very interesting. I have believed for the past several years that the Mark of the Beast is going to be an electronic system of checks and balances, whether it's economical uh, structure, a worldwide global economic system, identification system, Not quite sure. I believe it's going to be inserted or injected into our hand. And like the Bible says, it might sound far-fetched right now, our forehead. Maybe some countries will put it in the forehead. Maybe some countries put it in the right. Maybe the whole world will do it in the forehead or in the hand. I don't know. But it's going to be worldwide. How very interesting that they are trying to get a mandate going for this vaccine. At the same time, Bill Gates is off in the background pushing his super vaccine to integrate us with technology so that we will be interfaced with computers. How incredibly interesting that the Bible says we're not going to be able to buy, sell, or trade without it. If you listen to last week's guest, and he's talking about the uh, the payment systems that they're already working on over in Canada, and the sound bites that I included in last week's podcast. Wow. I mean, wow. It's coming, and there's nothing we can do to make it stop. It's going to happen. So you better make sure. That you have a good relationship, a good foundation with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make sure that you're correct. Make sure that you're on good ground. Make sure you've been baptized in Jesus' name. Make sure you've been filled with His Spirit. Make sure you're living a godly, wholesome, separated life. You want to make sure that you're correct, that you're right, that your foundation is solid. Because He will come back. And when He does... We want to make sure that we have his spirit living on the inside. That's going to be our gateway, my friend. That is going to be our passport. That is going to be our ticket out of this world because there's a, something coming called the rapture or the catching away. The Bible talks about it. When Jesus comes back at the sound of the last trump, those who are dead in Christ will be raised first, and then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to meet him. We want to make sure that we're ready for that. Okay? Okay? That time is coming very soon. And according to the Bible, those who take upon this mark will be left behind. I don't think it's going to come to us ignorantly. I don't think people are going to accidentally take the mark or unwittingly take the mark. I believe that when this happens, it's going to come with a pledge or a promise or an oath, something to that effect. You're giving away all your possessions. You're giving away yourself pretty much to this new system. That you're denouncing everything and pledging to this system. My friends, when that happens, you are done. You are toast. Don't do it. Don't participate in this vaccine because I'm telling you it's coming through this type of system. If they can start forcing an injection upon you now, and they say, you have to get this every so often, every 90 days, every year, every month, whatever it is, then they can start putting anything they want to into these vaccines, and they can start mandating other things. So while you, as an American, are laying aside your liberties and your freedoms, For a little temporary safety and security. You don't deserve either one of those things. You don't deserve freedom or safety and security. Never, ever lay down your freedom for safety and security. You take care of yourself, you rely on the Lord Most High to take care of you. Prepare yourself and rely on Him, not the government. They cannot save you. They cannot protect you. and they will come to you with all these promises, all these guarantees. Just like Joey Barnes talked about in the last program, they give in Canada give X amount of dollars every single month to the First Nation. The first people, the first people that was in 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 Canada before the Europeans came down and took that, all those descendants are getting free money, and this new payment system that's coming down the pike, according to the the uh, the soundbite that we listened to, that's coming down the pike, they're going to lay all this all this free money out. It's enough to live on, enough to get by, for free. And in return, you'll have no bills. All you have to do is give up everything you own. Give up yourself. Imagine a world where you get free everything. You think it sounds nice. You think it sounds pretty. But I'm telling you, they will regulate, they will own you. They will regulate your entire life. Because if you are being supplemented by the government, if you are exempt from anything because the government has exempted you, then they own you. They can control what you say, what you hear, what you eat. And if you don't like it, then they stop dropping money in your account and you cannot work. You cannot buy. You cannot sell. You cannot trade. This is what's coming. This is the future of the world. It's coming. So don't you believe anything that Joe Biden has, promises, has promised you. And I don't know how this is going to turn out with this election thing. You know, I don't, I don't know. Whether we have four more years of Trump or four years of Biden, it's not going to matter in the end because it's been written. It's been settled. It's going to happen. So make sure you are right. Make sure your faith is firmly planted. Make sure you are prepared and not relying on the government, but relying on God. And I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. I'm personally thankful that the holidays are over with. I want nothing to do with uh, Christmas. I don't particularly care for Christmas. I know I'm a Scrooge, and I got friends out there who just love and adore. I don't judge you for that. You have a right to be wrong. Hey, this is America. You have a right to love Christmas if you want to. I'm just kidding about all that, but I, I'm not. I'm, I'm serious about. It. I don't. I don't. I don't like Christmas. I don't like how it's been commercialized. Uh. You know, I I love capitalism. I love that we can can work real hard and there's a, a promise of equality in the Constitution in the United States. Not of equal outcome, but of equality. That everybody is afforded the same exact opportunities. We can all work. We can all push real hard and try really hard. And to everybody that works really hard and um, puts their elbow grease into life and, and gets the best out of it, you you can make a living off of what you do for yourself. You push, you try, you work hard, and you will re- reap the rewards. And that's what's awesome about capitalism. I don't have problems with rich people. I like rich people. Millionaires create jobs. Billionaires create jobs. They're smart, whether they inherited the money or whether they worked their way from the bottom all the way to the top. I don't care. They're creating jobs. They're putting it back into the economy. They're making the United States robust. I like that. And if I can make a living off of somebody else's genius, that's an awesome thing. So now, with Christmas just behind us, this might have been a good topic for um, I don't know the week before, but I had I had to get that out of the way. But let's talk about some of this stuff for a second here, because in the past I've heard I heard Alan Combs several years ago talk about how uh, how Jesus was a socialist. That's crazy. Jesus was not a socialist. There's nothing in the Bible to show that he was a socialist. And if you go on, just go to Google, go DuckDuckGo, whatever you I don't I don't recommend Google, go to whatever you can and put in the search bar there, Jesus was a socialist or was Jesus a socialist. You are going to be astounded at the amount of craziness, ignorance, you can even call it stupidity in this case, that Jesus was a socialist. They got no scriptures to back that up. They might throw a scripture out there talking about giving. But they take it completely out of context to push a point that Jesus was a social. This is how they're trying to win Christians over to socialism. It's a lie. Don't you believe anything that the left is teaching you? It's just not true. And there is a lot to say about, you know, politics and, and and giving and taking in the bible there's a lot to say about governing authorities but i like to go straight to jesus's words himself let's look at matthew chapter 22 verses 17 through 21 and i'm gonna read here from the uh, the english uh, standard version it says tell us then what you think and these these are the the pharisees talking to jesus because they're always trying to trip him up right Always trying to trip him up and get him to trip over over uh, uh, the doctrine of the Old Testament. And, and they didn't understand this New Testament that was about to come in. So they're always just trying to trip him up. And they said, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius, which was a, a Roman coin. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And he knew who it was, but he was asking them a question. They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In other words, he's saying, hey, pay your taxes, but everything that's spiritual, give that to the Lord. Don't worship the government. Worship God. Don't depend on Caesar. Depend on God. Don't don't rely on the government. Rely on God. That's the context of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew. But also in Matthew 28 and 18, the same version here of the Bible says, And Jesus came and said unto them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is why Christians have such a hard time committing themselves equally to the government and to God. You can't do that. You can't serve two masters. You're going to cling to the one and let go of the other. You're going to love the one and let loose of the other. You can't serve two masters. You can't be pulled in two separate directions. And as far as giving and taxation goes, if Jesus was a socialist, he would have just said, he wouldn't have said anything about giving. The Bible wouldn't say anything about how, how God loves a cheerful a cheerful giver. He would have said something about let the government take it from you involuntarily and don't whine and complain and cry about it. But if you want to go and look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 11 and Mark 14 to 7, it pretty much says the same thing. The poor you will have with you always. And you can help them anytime you want to. And the key here, word here that I want to tell you guys is that that, that that you can help. You can help them if you want to. He loves a cheerful giver, and he impresses upon his people to give. He doesn't talk about taking. There's nothing in the Bible about taking. Everything about the New Testament is about our internal salvation. It's about our, it's, it's, Spiritual. It deals with us spiritually. Where God dealt with people in the Old Testament, according to the nations, on a national level. In the New Testament, he deals with us individually. Spiritually. So he teaches us to live individually. And to give willfully. And Jesus admonishes us. And so does anywhere else, else in the New Testament. Admonishes us to give of our own free will and that we will be blessed for it. The Bible talks about how when we give, he will give back to us until our cups are overflowing. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. That's a lot of blessings. But don't think that you're going to be blessed if something is taken from you. That don't make any sense at all. How can he bless a cheerful giver if it's taken from you and not donated, not contributed by your own free will? This is craziness. This is lunacy. And don't you believe it when the government comes to you telling you that Jesus was a socialist? The government makes us pay taxes. Whether we want to do it or don't want to do it, they make us pay taxes. Here, let me read to you for a second in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 15. Let me open up my Bible here. Hold on a second here. 13 through 15. This is the, the story about the, a prosperous farmer. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide his inheritance with me. And Jesus said unto him, Man who made me judge or divider over you. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware, of the covetous, covetousness of man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things. Which he possesseth, possesseth, I'm sorry, that old thing that he possesses. So Jesus rebuked the petitioner because he is not somebody that takes and divides money. That's what the government does, right? Jesus wasn't about taking and dividing. Where are these people getting this stuff? Christianity is not about passing the buck. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, each of you should give what you you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you hear what that just says? It just said not reluctantly or under compulsion. Being forced to give, being made to give. But no, he wants a thoughtful, cheerful giver. And let's not forget the, the, you know, the parable about, uh, about the Good Samaritan. The traveler was regarded as, as good because he stopped and helped the stricken man on the roadside because, because he wanted to. Not because he was made to. Not because someone forced his hand to do it. Socialists love to talk about how Jesus went into the temple and he pushed over the money changer tables and all this stuff, making you think that he has some kind of disdain for rich people. That wasn't the case at all. If you want to talk about the parable of the talents, Jesus talks about, about a man who was entrusted with his wealth um, to three different servants. Okay, So he gave, uh, he, gave, he gave three different amounts of money to three, ser- to three different servants. And then he went away. Now, when the man returns, the servant uh, uh, learns that one of the servants safeguarded his money. He hid it. He tucked it away. He didn't do anything with it. He actually buried the money. He didn't invest it. He didn't do anything with it. Nothing. The second put his share to work and multiplied it. And the third person invested his and generated the greatest return of all. So which one of these three men was praised by the master for uh, doing what he did with his money? It was the one who created the wealth. The one who took his money and he hid it and did nothing with it. He was admonished. And his money was taken away and given to the others. That doesn't sound socialistic to me. It sounds like business. The one that created the wealth was 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 the one that was praised. He was the hero of the story. Socialism is not good. It's the opposite of good. It's bad. Listen to this quote by a man by the name of Oscar Wilde. He's talking about socialism here, but he says, says, he's talking about once people get involved in socialism and they invest themselves in socialism, he says, Men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters. What's that even mean? It means people who cannot control themselves become prisoners. Whether prisoners of themselves, or whether they're prisoner, you know, whether they're uh, excuse <clears throat> you me, know, whether they're enchained by the government, the fact remains, they're prisoners. And no good thing ever became a socialism. With socialism, you use your, lose yourself and you become a prisoner to the whims of the controller. It's a conundrum of hypocrisies. The socialists desire a perfect world. They desire the government to save them. If you want to talk Bible for a second here in Socialism in the Bible, let's look at the Tower of Babel. This is a great socialist model. I want you to picture a world that was just destroyed by a flood. God just wiped out mankind, except for Noah and his family, because the rest of the world was evil. The sin was so great, God had to, he's like, we got to start over. This is not, this is not working right. So after the flood, man began to populate the earth again. And then over in Babel then, now we're talking generations later, later, they began to erect a tower so tall that if the earth was to ever flood again, they could climb up inside of this tower and be, and save themselves. Now, I just want to think about outside the box here for a second. This had to have been a government enterprise. I doubt that they were just working together, you know, to, to do this. Somebody made the decision, probably a ruler, a king, I don't know, made the decision. They all came together. At his direction, at his leadership, he encouraged them and influenced them to build this tower so that he could save them should the earth ever flood again. God knew what they were up to. He knew what they were doing. And what did he do? He confounded their language. He made each of them speak in languages that they couldn't understand each other. They just they, So they had to separate into in small groups and, and spread out across the world. Socialism is not good. But that's a utopia that, that socialists want. They want to create their own world in their image. A world where everything passes their own personal litmus test. And therein lies the trouble. Once everything has been established and everything fits perfectly into these nice little pretty little unicorn shaped boxes, there's no room for uniqueness, no room for difference. Everybody has to fit into the same exact mold. And if you don't, what happens? Who makes the decision then? If you don't conform, who makes the rules as to what happens to them? And so the very thing that the socialists, we'll call them liberals because they're fighting for socialism, the very thing that the liberals are fighting to legitimize in becomes their fetters. It becomes their chains. They become imprisoned by it. Because then who decides what is right and what is wrong? Who determines what lifestyle is appropriate and what lifestyle is not? And now that these lines have been drawn and placed in concrete, there'll be no going back. Once it's been established, there's no going back. My friends, you can vote your way into socialism, but you'll have to shoot your way out. Because in their socialist utopian world, there's no guns. There's no killing. There's no sexes. There's no males or females. There's just one bland blanket that covers across the face of the planet. I got news for you. Adolf Hitler was a socialist. And he killed outcasts. He killed homosexuals. My friend, nature teaches us that there are two sexes, male and female. Male and female, God created them. So let me tell you this. That line has already been drawn. But in the United States of America, we have this thing called individual freedom. You do you, and I'll do me. You have your individual rights and I have my individual rights. You don't touch my rights and I won't touch your rights. That's what the constitution's all about. So if you don't understand what rights uh, apply to other people, just look at the constitution. It's not an exhaustive list list of rights, it just reaffirms what has already been given to us by God. They're individual rights. You have a right to exist. You have a right to be happy. The Bible guarantees you, or I'm sorry, the Constitution guarantees you a pursuit of happiness. If you want to be gay, you go on ahead. I personally don't agree in it, agree with it. I have my own spiritual um, beliefs, my own spiritual convictions, but this is America. I have a right to worship. You have a right to worship. I have a right to be heterosexual. You have a right to be gay. I don't care. Do you, and I'll do me. But when you try to control my rights, when you try to violate my rights, then we have a problem. That's the problem I have with socialism. I don't like being told that I have to do this, that I have to do that. I don't like conforming to to stereotypical this or stereotypical that. I don't want a world economy. I don't want a one world language. I don't want a one world religion. I want to be free to worship as I want to worship. I don't want to be told what to believe. I want to believe what I want to believe. I want to do my own homework. I don't like fact checkers on Facebook, fact checkers on YouTube, fact checkers on Instagram. I don't care about it. I want to do my own homework. I want to be America. And anything else is anti-American. Socialism is not American. This country is not made or designed to be socialist. It is contradictive to our Constitution that guarantees personal liberties. It reaffirms personal freedoms. And one of the biggest problems of socialism is this idea you hear Bernie Sanders talking about it big time whenever he was running for the 2020, uh, you know, in the primaries. He says, you know, he's trying to give free access to every citizen in the United States to have this free education and health care. My friend, there's no such thing as free education or free health care. There's no such thing. People are paying for that. People who, who work are being taxed for that. And once people start jumping in to uh, federally funded uh, education and federally funded health care, my friend, the, the, the government then controls what you learn. The government then controls who lives and who dies. This is why capitalism is important. You put these different businesses out there, these different uh, health care plans, and they compete They compete for customers. And competition drives prices down. The more competition, the lower the prices. Because they want you to join in and become a customer of theirs. And they're going to do that through lowering their prices. But the government steps in and says, hey, we're going to get free health care. How long do you think it'll be before people stop paying health insurance companies for health care and they start jumping on the federalized health care? And before long, it drives taxes so high that we don't even have a make, we can't even make a living based off of the leftover income. Our checks become so small because our taxes are so high. And then people are like, why do I even have to work? I can quit working and get on federal programs, get on these nanny programs. The government will take care of me. Yes. And then the government will regulate you, they will control you. If you don't like, what we're telling you to do, that we just won't give you no money. We just won't pay your health bills. We just won't pay your education. It's a bad, bad idea. And they're also into this uh, with socialism, the dividing of classes. Class division is not good. You hear politicians talk about uh, the working class. They talk about the lower class, middle class, the upper class. Stop it. Don't listen to the division. It's natural for human beings to divide into tribes, into groups, into classes. And what happens when we do that? Look at history. What do tribes do? They war with each other. They fight. That's the goal, the whole entire Marxist goal, is to cause class divisions to make people fight so that they can break us down and we can call out to the government for help don't let them divide us by class if you're seeing classes of people whether it be race or sexes or job status the problem is you it's in your mind you need to change the way that you think let capitalism do its role let it do it let it let it do its thing it's okay for the, for, for for people to be rich and it's okay for people to work really hard for a living. Because everybody that's rich got there, not on their own accord, or not because the government gave them big old handout, but because they worked hard on their own accord, and they made a, they made a living, they worked really hard, they were really smart, and they, get, they got in there, they got the grind going on, and guess what? Now they're creating jobs so other people could have the same opportunity. Learn from them. You can do the same thing. The government shouldn't be as large as it is. We've seen throughout the years a huge expanse of, of, of the government. They, they they take and they they reach out and they overreach. And next thing you know, they're encompassing every aspect of our life. And who do you think pays all those all those taxes, all those all those bills? Who do you think pays their 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 income? It's us. They create these agencies and these departments, and then and and then we're paying more and more, uh, taxes. And, and what's their, what's the government's answer? Well, let's increase minimum wage. Then if the governments are paying their their employees more money, then they can make a better living. That's a lie too, because what happens if an employer has to double his rate of pay for one of his employees, he has to cut one person or half his employees out of the, out of his business. If he has to pay or give all of his employees a raise, then he's going to have to knock some of them off to maintain. Or he's going to have to double the price of all of his productions. That's how we get inflation, my friends. You want to increase minimum wage? We'll just raise the prices on everything because it's the only way they're going to be able to pay off their employees. They have to sell higher price products or cut jobs. Those are the two options. I remember when a loaf of bread was a quarter. Now, it's so they're over $2, uh, you know, a loaf for, for a nice soft loaf of bread. And how did that come to be? Inflation. Because some uh, smarty pants president comes along and says, let's raise the minimum wage. Well, you raise the minimum wage and guess what happens? The price of everything, all of our products has to go up. That's how it works. Let's listen to, uh, it's like three and a half minutes of time here, Ben Shapiro. I love Ben, he's got a brilliant mind. I like to listen to his shows. Listen to this guy. So he's got, you know, he does a lot of public uh, forums. Listen to this socialist tell Ben Shapiro that workers should own the means of production. Listen, Listen to what Ben Shapiro has to say here.
2: So let's say you own a pencil factory, I'm a worker in that pencil factory. You can have all the machinery, all, you can buy all the raw materials you want, but without me, and presumably many others like me, to assemble the pencils, all you would have is a pile of wood, yellow paint, graphite, rubber, and aluminum Okay. that would be worth it. So, and that is worth less than the pencil when you try and sell it. And yet, all of that value added by labor, apart from the wages that you give me, which if we're being honest, there is a major power imbalance in our ability to
0: negotiate that, well, if, 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 all you, if all that putting the pencil together requires is basic use of your prefrontal cortex, then yes, your labor is alienable at lower rates than if you are a doctor. That's not the fault of the person who owns the machinery. But if,
2: all, but if, the, but if you didn't have workers like me and your pencil factory and you were just one man... But I do. So- I have millions of people who are willing to do that voluntarily for me. If you're just one person trying to assemble pencils, you're not gonna get very far. You need workers. Capital needs labor infinitely more than labor needs capital. That's why you have worker cooperatives where the workers are I fundamentally
0: disagree on the distinction between capital and labor. Capital is just a term for money. If you're talking about money, money does not grow from the ground. Money only has value because it was traded for labor at one point or the products of labor. So if I take my money and I buy machinery, I have invested my labor in doing that because I didn't get the money from nowhere. Even if I got it from my parents, my parents didn't get the money from nowhere. The people who built the machines required me to trade something of value to them in order for me to obtain the machines. The people who invented the machines required people to pay them in order to get the, the patent to that machine so they could build the machine. The, the, the problem that I'm seeing in, in what you're saying is you have still failed. If, if what you're talking about is a system of voluntarism, you still have not named any area in which we disagree, and yet you're telling me that you're a socialist and I'm a free marketer. So one of us has got this wildly wrong, and I'm pretty sure it's not me. <laughs> The differentiation I draw, and I'm not alone in this, I'm not one
2: person trying to redefine anything, the different, differentiation I and many others like me draw between socialism and capitalism is that under capitalism, when you as the owner of the factory, you give me a wage, the wage could be 7.25. dollars it could be $15, it could be whatever an hour, right? right? But you, you give me a wage, all, all the additional profit above the, uh, made from selling the pencils or whatever good you produce, above what is reinvested into the company, ultimately goes to you or the investors, the, uh, those who own shares in the means of production. Right. Under socialism, those people are the workers. And the example I give, again, is cooperative enterprise.
0: No, those are the people who are investing the risk. So if they carry the risk, then they get the benefit. The owner of the factory carries the risk, therefore he gets the benefit. The workers in the company you mentioned, if that company were to go bankrupt, they would carry the risk as well as the benefit. If the company goes bankrupt, and this guy has to pay off all of his debts, the worker may lose his job, but he's not the one who's going to incur the debt of having gone bankrupt. If you incur risk, then you're the one who pays the downside. The worker does not pay the downside. Okay, it is the investor who pays the downside, who invested in all the machinery, who sunk millions of dollars into making your labor productive. Because guess what? Your labor is without that machinery. Gunk, nothing. You don't have a pencil to put together, you don't got the wood, you don't got the, you don't got the paint, you don't got the rubber, you don't got the metal, you got nothing. Right, you're sitting there, standing outside twiddling your thumbs. It required somebody to invest mil- Who do you think put more in? The guy who spent millions of dollars buying all the machinery, leasing the place, making sure there was a management structure, doing the LLC formation, making sure all the tax code was in compliance, or you standing outside because you can stick a piece of graphite into a piece of wood. <laughs> now we're done.
1: Okay, that was me adding the cheers there, but he said it brilliantly. Ben Shapiro has a brain. I wish my his brain works infinitely faster than mine does, but he laid it out clear. Socialists have this bizarre utopian world in their head, and it's all completely imaginary. They can't put any of it together. They can't connect the dots. They're unable to. But they believe, they believe that they can just everything is equal, like. There's no millionaires, there's no people that are poor. It just, my friends, who's gonna pay for it? The government? The government does can't pay for anything without us putting into it. They get their taxes, they they get their money from taxes. They get their taxes off the people, the people who are working. And if people aren't working because the taxes are so high, or because your regulation is so hard, then where are you going to get your money? Your socialistic uh, utopia is a lie. It doesn't exist. Every country that has fallen into socialism has failed. And is currently failing. So you want to slide over a little farther and look at somebody really, really successful like China? You go on ahead. Because as you slide from uh, democracy to socialism to communism, you're gonna find out that you have no control because the government owns absolutely everything. They control what you hear, what you see, what you eat, even what sex of baby you're allowed to have. They control what businesses you can have, what's being allowed to, to what media you listen to, what internet sites you're allowed to access that's what you're hoping for. That's what the socialists are dreaming about. And if they think that they can have some kind of a socialistic state that's not an extreme socialism, they're wrong. Because it always slips and slides because this can't is leaning to the left. According to our founding documents, this country is a constitutional republic with a democratic form of government. That means we vote our people in office and we have individual rights reaffirmed by our constitution, not given to us by the government. But we have not been acting that way. We have not been treated that way. We have slid into a democracy. When you go to the polls and you're voting on a law, keep that in mind. Because that means that 51% of the people will dictate the rights of the 49%. That means the majority will always rule over the minority. And as we continue down the leftward cant from democracy, we lead into socialism, which we're already beginning to see in, in big ways. We are not a socialist country. We're not even a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And that's what this show. That's why I titled the show "The Rising Republic." People, we have to get back on our feet. We cannot fall asleep at the wheel. We cannot be lullabied. We cannot close our eyes—not even for a second. We need to be awake. We need to be watchful. We need to be mindful of what those people who are doing, the people that we have elected in office, what they're doing. They're having secret meetings. And they're 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 meeting in secret. They're closing doors and they're not letting people see what they're up to. That's not right. This government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, and for the people. Yet they have created a ruling class through elections, and the left is content to know they're being ruled. But I'm not. I don't want to be ruled whether it be by politicians or by the 51%. I want my rights unique to me. I don't want my rights subjugated to anybody or any group of people. I don't believe in classes. I don't believe in races and colors and all this other stuff. We are one people. and We need to start acting like it. Stop letting them divide us. Stop letting them control us. We need to start electing people into office who care about our individual rights. Not electing people into office who want to chase down and run out, lock up, and like, like that, uh, that uh, uh, Keith Oberman. That man is a lunatic. And just to remind you who Keith Oberman is, listen to this. So, let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Bars and the Sean Hannity's and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild the world Trump has nearly destroyed by turning it over to a virus. Remember it, even as we dream of a return to reality and safety and the country for which our forefathers died, that the fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for a moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage. Wow. That man has a lot of hate in his heart. And it's not just him, that man is a socialist. All socialists feel that way. There, you remember, their utopia, is to remove conservatives from society. Because we are not like liberals, like we are not, because we are not like socialists. We believe in individual freedoms. We don't believe in, in uh, all this stuff that they believe in, so we need to be arrested need to be prosecuted. What that man said sounded exactly like the ethos of a man named Adolf Hitler. And we all know how that story ended. There's nothing good about socialism. Nothing. It is vile. I'll even say it's evil. That a man don't have to work. He doesn't have to prepare. He doesn't have to study. He doesn't have to do anything because he's guaranteed money. Folks, that is laziness. So one might wonder, how did Hitler get away with all this? Let me tell you. And some of this might sound extremely um, memorable of recent. And you all know how I feel about executive orders. But listen to this. One thing that Hitler did was he banned all of his rivals. Anybody who wasn't like him, he banned them. He created class warfare by blaming bankers on the economic crisis. And he riled up the people with his smooth words and his tough talk and created classes of people. He controlled the media so the only things that was going out into the media was things that he approved. If it wasn't feeding his, prop- his propaganda, then it was shut down. He controlled it all. He created employment opportunities through the war machine. So World War II, everybody got a job because they're creating things for war. He eliminated opinion through the creation of the Gestapo. Or imagine this, secret police. That's what the Gestapo was. So everybody, imagine a world in the United States where everybody is paranoid of the other person because you didn't know if your brother, your cousin, your neighbor was a secret police officer because these individuals were being paid to take information back to Hitler and snitch on you. Therefore, dissension was imprisonment. Nobody was allowed free speech. There was no such thing. He initiated the Enabling Act, which gave him powers to create law without having to go through parliament. Very typical of what we call an executive order, which is not constitutional. We have a process for laws to be made. The House can create a, a, a bill and send it up to the Senate for approval uh, and then once it's approved, it goes to the to the executive office, and he signs off on it, it; becomes law. The enabling act allowed Hitler for a period of four years to make any laws he wanted to without the permission of Parliament. But in so doing, he also eliminated opposition by dismantling other political parties. So in that four hour, that four-year window, he was able to do. Anything he wanted to. He was unchecked. And then he purged the country of any person that didn't believe what he believed. People, this is the socialist model. This is what we're up against. This is what is at the door of our country. This is what we're faced with. And the rising republic needs to stay awake. We need to stand up and not be asleep. We need to stand strong. We need to reaffirm our rights and fight for them. Don't give them away. That's like this whole COVID thing. It has become an excuse for tyranny. People are groomed, coddled into wearing masks even if you're healthy, everybody's just jumping on board with it to help spread, blah, 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 or help stop the spread, blah, 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 blah. No. God gave us an immune system for a purpose. For, it's there for a reason. We can't save ourselves. And we'll be judged if we try to do it. Let God's creation do what it does. Let it run its course if it kills us it's still better to die free than to live under tyranny and these forced vaccine mandates are coming they're going to happen i just pray that you're in a good place where you can avoid it when it when it starts when it when it comes down when it's at your door front i hope that you have the courage to resist cuz my feeling is this constitution aside if you're afraid of the Rona, go get vaccinated. Stay home. You do you. And I'll do me. I'm not afraid. I'll go out. I'll expose myself. If I get nervous, if I get afraid, that's on me to go out. You know, I'll, I'll wear a mask if I'm afraid. If I don't wear a mask and I go out, that's on me. Nobody's at fault. The government's not at fault if, if, if you get corona or you spread corona. That's for us to decide. That's our individual freedoms. Do I want to go out or do I want to stay in the house? Do I want to wear a mask? Do I not want to wear a mask? Do I want to get vaccinated? Do I not want to get vaccinated? It's an individual freedom. You do you and I'll do me. You stop staring at me if I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not afraid. I'm a healthy person. And even if I was infected and I was asymptomatic, there's no proof that an asymptomatic person can even spread this. There's no science to back that up. Oh, and by the way, the flu is gone. Heart disease is gone. All other deaths in the United States are almost gone. How is that? I don't know, but the Wu flu is up. Coronavirus, COVID-19 cases are up. So where do the other cases go? Well, they've been reclassified. Death by corona. Go to the CDC and look for yourself. It's there. The details are there. The proof is in the pudding. Hey, I want to thank you all for listening. And whatever you do, don't run with scissors. Running with scissors is dangerous. I'm L. Douglas Hogan. This is the Rising Republic.